You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. Jesus came with his disciples into the house. Again the crowd gathered, making it impossible for them even to eat. When his disciples heard of this, they set out to seize him, for they said, He is out of his mind. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. These are just two verses of the Gospel. In chapter 3 of Mark, verses 20 and 21. And they capture a very powerful, dramatic moment. uh, Well, maybe two dramatic moments. First of all, the intensity of Jesus' ministry. The amount of demands placed on his person to cope with so many people coming and needing help. And he is filled with compassion. He will reach out to help everyone who is asking. And he doesn't have time to eat. I don't think the volunteers have it that difficult in Magdala. And in these times, there's comfortable time to sit a little bit longer together because we don't have pilgrims. But it's interesting how it happens sometimes here when we have crowds every day and there are 15 or 20 masses here in Duke and Alton, but it's ordered and there are so many people helping. But uh, sometimes it gets very demanding at the visitor center. So many groups want tours. And in ministry that happens uh, as well. And Jesus doesn't mind the disciples discovering this. And sometimes he himself takes the disciples away to rest a while in quiet spot by themselves. And sometimes the crowd surprise them and bust their rest. They have their weekend off and suddenly the crowds are there and Jesus takes care of them. And so that's his heart. He's coming to save us. And his family don't understand. And this is very interesting as well because it shows a very human side. In the incarnation, the word became flesh. And he didn't become flesh with some type of robot or some type of isolated person that had no connections. He's in a family context, Joseph and Mary. The Eastern Christian tradition holds that Joseph was a widow and had many children, and Mary, uh, part of the idea of Mary in his life was to look after all these children. And they tell the story such that Joseph, that um, Joachim, the father of Anna, would have told Joseph, this is a very special girl, And so little by little, Joseph was learning about this young lady, and then he was warned in a dream that he shouldn't throw her away. And Joseph was growing into that. So then this means there could be be a lot of cousins and siblings, half-siblings, not from Mary, but from Joseph. Joseph was presumed to be his father, so there weren't even half-siblings. They were just... um, in sharing the same house, but in an adoptive context, in the neighborhood context, it looked like they were all siblings. So Jesus' family comes to seize him. That's a strong word. They come to seize him. And sometimes people today, when they follow a religious vocation, family can offer a lot of pressure and a lot of opposition. And that's also an interesting thing to discern. And I won't go into all the details of that, but that's, it's an interesting thing. A, a wise priest once told me when a girl found a lot of resistance in her family to the idea that she should consecrate her life to God, he said, um, and also there was a guy uh, from Belgium, 
And Father Vincent said to me, listen to the parents and see what they have to say. Because they also know the person. There could be a resistance just to the idea, I don't want anybody to consecrate their lives to Christ, or maybe this particular child is not suited temperamentally or whatever. They might have some very good input. <clears throat> so there we have a very interesting uh, case that has continued through the history of Christianity. Of uh, Even we've had the cases where in the history of Christianity where parents have had their children put to death, in the, especially in the time of the Roman situation, maybe also in some of the totalitarian modern regimes. And then we have the example of David. David received many, many uh, bad wounds from Saul. David threatened Saul's life multiple times. And David felt that. And yet when Saul dies, David mourns and he in his position of leadership, he calls for mourning for Saul, and he honors Saul. Again, we can see here that David is seeing Saul through God's eyes. How we see somebody that wasn't our fit and our measure, how we respect them, and the basis for respecting them. Sometimes when we have very small hearts, very selfish vision, we might even rejoice over the death of our enemies. We might even celebrate it, and that's not very healthy. It's not very human. We are all human beings. We are all very weak. We are what we are by the grace of God, and therefore we should have great humility before our own nothingness and great respect before God's work in others who might not be our fit, our match, our pleasure, who might be our enemies. This leads us to great maturity and wisdom. We can pray for that for both inside the church and for politics. And many Christians that are in, in political life, it's normal. They should be representing the interests of the common good of all the people. And then they enter into all these conflicts. And how to handle these conflicts as a Christian is a big challenge. How to handle them as a human being. But especially as a Christian, because we have such a culture of redemption, such a culture of love, of forgiveness, of redemption, then we should have a very uh, high ground approach to every person especially the ones who are broken, the ones who have hurt us out of their brokenness, we should have a great mercy. And David teaches us this in a wonderful way. We pray, let us see your face, Lord, and we shall be saved. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.